Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is an ABC podcast. The Outer Sanctum is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respect to their elders past and present. time in the history of the AFL. In from the side, Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Welcome to the Outer Sanctum for another week. My name is Emma Race. And since I last had your company, some of us have celebrated Mardi Gras, some of us have celebrated International Women's Day, and some of us have enjoyed Megan and Harry spilling tea on the monarchy. Today we're going to catch up with a few footy queens, including rising star Daisy Bateman from the North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos, and from the Crows, Anne Hatchard and Sarah Allen will be joining us on the Sanctum, but pulling up their socks in preparation for a four-quarter effort are my football-loving Sanctum sisters and in the spirit of female empowerment, I'm going to let them ring their own bell. (laughs) Hello, it's Lucy Race here. I forgot my socks though. (laughs) Hi, it's Julia Kiera. Hello, it's Rana Megan Hussain. (laughs) I said that just to make you all laugh. (laughs) There were so many highlights. We could deep dive on Megan and Harry and there's been a lot of conversations, Rana, where you've been like, oh, yeah, I felt that. Oh, absolutely. I've had some of that stuff said to me. I uh, texted you guys that uh, I had um, my partner is fair-skinned and people commented on whether my baby would have dark skin or not and let me know about their preference, which was oh. fair skin. And that was the weirdest thing to hear. So I'm glad in a way that I'm not alone in that and that it can happen to everybody. It's shocking to us uh, to hear that because we all sat there in horror thinking of it and for you to just go, oh, yeah, that's standard. It is a relief to us all to know that your baby is as perfect as any baby could be and she was exactly the way that she was intended to be. She's beautiful. (laughs) We want to talk about some highlights. The footy's getting very interesting. You hit the midpoint and then the going down the hill the other side is like being in a homemade billy cart. Whee! (laughs) Hands are off the wheel. It feels like it's all coming around to the end way too quickly. I had some highlights, but I'm going to come to you first, Lucy Race, to hear what your highlight was. My highlight was a Melbourne-related highlight. So after two losses, I feel like they threw the bibs up in the air and we saw some (laughs) players playing in different positions. So we saw Daisy Pearce move to full forward. We saw Eden Zanker on the ball and we saw Tegan Cunningham um, take up some ruck duties. And... Yes, they got the win, but gosh, there was some fun in the way that they did it. Daisy kicked two goals and her goal celebration showed just how much that meant to her. I thought that was 
amazing. She looked so happy. Didn't she just? Didn't she just? And then watching Eden, Eden's anchor on the ball, there was she was incredible. It was such a great game. I think St Kilda really struggled to match up on her. Her effort was incredible. There was one little passage of play where she gets tackled. Then she still sort of gets through, gets the ball and delivers it superbly to Daisy, who then kicks her second goal. And I thought that was wonderful. I'd also just like a special mention to Lauren Pierce, who had 21 hit outs. She was dominant and I couldn't get the smile off my face. Yeah, she was really impressive. It was good to see Melbourne back on the winners list, along with Carlton and the Dockers demolished the Eagles in a demolition derby. In a demolition derby. Thank you, Lucy. That's the words I was looking for. (laughs) The Pies have stretched out to one game ahead on the tippy top of the ladder. What was your highlight, Julia? Look, I've always loved watching Chloe Malloy and uh, this season she's definitely putting on a show. She's kicking lots of goals. She has, you know, she had a big injury a few years ago and hasn't really been able to um, have the same impact this year, but she can play anywhere. Um, Collingwood have the luxury of having a few players on their list that I would call match winners, that when the you know, the chips are down or whatever the metaphors are, um, that they can stand up, win their own footy and kick goals. I think Brie Davies one of those, Jamie Lambert and Chloe Malloy. So I think that that will put them in good stead going into the finals. You need players of that who have that quality in your team. But it's so wonderful seeing her play unrestricted. Our friend of the pod, Andy, is absolutely loving it. But I did, I do have to say that um, Sarah Black, who I love Sarah Black's work, I love her top 30. I understand that um, it's a hard job. But when she booked Chloe Malloy at number 29, I thought, Sarah, <laughs> you've just made her best on for the season. It's going to come around and bite you. They've also got a lot of depth because Tani Brown got another, got a Rising Star nomination. And I was thinking about how important that is, given that we are talking about father-daughter rules and, and what a moment that was for the family. For her to get a Rising Star nomination, you go, wow, that must really resonate. The ripples from, from through that family, it must be a real moment for them. And it shows the depth of Collingwood and they're looking fairly strong. Rana, what was your highlight? Oh, I'm going to throw a spanner in the works. Chloe Malloy plays out of her skin when her team's good. The team make her good, whereas Brie Davey maybe is one of those players that makes the team, the rest of the team look good. Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts off air on that, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but as usual, my highlight for the round is not footy related at all. Um, I wanted to shout out Aussie the Eagle, which is the eagle mascot of the West Coast Eagles, the actual eagle who does a round, a, a lap of the ground before each game. And normally what happens is Aussie goes back to the trainer, but this on this day just decided to hang out in the stands with the crowds and scared a lot of kids and I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> Delayed play too, mind you. So it was just, it was Aussie's day. Oh, that's fantastic. When I first heard of this, I thought it was the inflatable eagle that they couldn't get back and so I was quite confused. <laughs> like at one of those pop-up beach shelters that you can't put back in the, <laughs> back in the container to, to get home from the beach. One of my highlights also wasn't necessarily footy related. It was seeing Chelsea Roffey on the boundary do boundary riding because she's been, well, she was the first ever woman to officiate in an AFL grand final as a goal umpire. She's been a 
a real icon, I think, for women in the game, often when there's no other women siren to siren during the AFLM. Chelsea Roffey is the only female that, or the only woman that you would see. And to see her really diversify and be on the boundary, boundary riding for that ga- for the first game, which was North Melbourne, Richmond, I just thought, yeah, sisters are doing it for themselves. They're, you know, it's, it's International Women's Day week and there she is diversifying and I was so proud of her. Don't you reckon, like, you trust her judgement too because of what she does for a living when she makes a call about what's happening on the boundary? I'm like, yep, I believe you. Absolutely. And North Melbourne did play really well against Richmond. Uh, they're scary good with some real quality passages of play this season which often end in a goal by our next guest. We welcome to the Sanctum, Daisy Bateman. How are you, Daisy? Yes, good, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I've got to ask straight off the top, did you ever expect that as a Daisy the name would be so (laughs) synonymous as a footy name? Oh, (laughs) no, of course not. Actually, when we versed Melbourne, uh, Daisy Pierce actually played on me and we actually joked about it. We were like, we barely come across any Daisies and we're playing on each other. So there's a couple more actually now. I know there were a couple in the draft Daisy Walker at Carlton. I think there's a Daisy at Gold Coast Suns. So, yeah, yeah it's Darcy. quite a popular name. If I was having more children, they'd all be called Daisy. I've got to be honest. <laughs> it feels like the Jezelenko for our time. Congratulations <laughs> yeah. on being named one of the Round Six Rising Stars. How are you enjoying the season? Yeah, thank you very much. Oh, I'm loving the season this year. I think, um, to be honest, it's probably the most um, spontaneous season that we've had so far. Like, it's quite unpredictable. I think that's what makes it so exciting. You know, we've had two losses so far as well. So me personally, I probably didn't expect that to happen. But yeah, it keeps us on our toes. Hi, Daisy. It's Lucy here. Now, the North Melbourne hashtag is our time is now. How do you enact that statement as a call to action? It's a good question. Um, Our time is now basically, um, it follows on from the word shimbona, um, which is a word that we take quite seriously at North. We focus on every week individually um, as a shimbona and a shimbona basically means that you go out and you do everything you can to win and you don't walk away um, feeling like you haven't done everything. I guess me individually, I go out every week and I give it everything I can. And I think if I don't, you know, I go do an individual review to kind of work out what I can do better. Um, But, yeah, it's it's an extremely important phrase amongst our group. Hi, Daisy, it's Julia. At North, you've got a really potent forward line that I think is the envy of the competition. But the thing I really love about when I watch North is that each line really works together. You find that the mids and the forwards really are really cohesive. Your forward entries are beautiful so that then the forwards can... Um, finish off that work. How do you actually have, how have you made that happen over these last few years? Obviously, it's good to keep a core list together. You know, there hasn't been too many changes in the last three years. But um, I think it's more off-field than on-field, to be honest. I think that we really focused on making our culture really good off the field. Um, Our cohesiveness really is caused by actually just genuinely liking each other. I think everyone's really gotten to know each other individually and Um, yeah, I guess it's made it work as a team in terms of there's been a lot of um, line changes, you know, reflecting on year one. Jazz Garner actually played down forward and, you know, she's probably fit seamlessly into the midfield, but that's because she knew everyone really well and everyone trusted her to do her job. So I think it's it comes down to trust and also just being a close team off the field. Hey, Daisy, it's Rana here. You've mentioned not a lot of changes in the call list, but you have got a different coach this year. I'm wondering how the team has adapted to him. I think Croc brings something really different. He brings a, a massive wealth of knowledge of everything, you know, like the history of the club and 
Um, he himself was a shin boner back in the day, and I think he actually played in a time where it was part-time for the men as well, where they worked throughout the day and then they'd go to training. And um, I think he brings that kind of he, the understanding. Um, he's really realistic about things and a really good example of um, how great he is is that Indigenous round a couple of weeks ago um, before – before the game, he played a video of the Cracker Brothers, the famous Indigenous twins who um, played for North Melbourne and were absolutely electric down forward. And he just played us a highlight reel of them playing and um, kind of spoke about the time that they played in and um, how th- times are changing now in a really positive way. And I think, yeah, that had a massive effect on our group as well. He's been great. Daisy, you have a really tough final three rounds ahead of you at North. Are you, how are you all talking about that run home and that race for finals? Yeah, I think we're not focusing on it too much in terms of like a holistic standpoint. I think um, a lot of teams have a really tough run home. I think they've actually done it quite fairly in terms of those top six teams have have all quite um, hard run homes. But I guess we're taking it week by week, which also comes back to, you know, our time is now as well. Daisy, it's Rana again. We're five years into AFLW and we talk a little bit about the older girls versus the younger girls and the newbies. <laughs> and I'm interested, is there a generation gap within AFLW that you notice? Hmm, it's a good question again. To be honest, I do and I don't. I think that when you first get to, for example, talking from my point of view, I, I got to North and I was actually the only, I was drafted with two 18-year-olds, but I was drafted in quite a mature team. I think you're kind of forced to grow up really quickly um, in terms of maturity level. I think it's probably been the best thing for me off the field, learning from, um, you know, the mature players like an Emma Carney or we have, a, we have a lot of players that have played in those um, exhibition games back in 2013. So I'm not sure about generation gap, but I think obviously there are people that have formed a legacy and, um, you know, we come into it and we have the job to carry that on. Daisy, you would have been 16 when the AFLW launched and you were obviously playing footy at that time. You were, you were already in elite pathways. Is it everything that you expected or anticipated that it would be? You know, having understanding that COVID has thrown a couple of spanners, is it is it what you imagined it would be? Yeah, absolutely it is. As soon as the competition was formed, it was something that I really aimed towards. I, I've loved it ever since, you know, I set foot in the club. I've actually really loved it. And, um, yeah, it's been tough because I think, like, the part-time nature of the competition, you know, that's unavoidable and that's just the um, reality. But I think that we all love playing footy and that's why we do it. It doesn't matter if it's part-time or full-time. And I, I love being a part of it. It is everything I've dreamed of as well, I think. You know, it's something that, you know, we go play footy every night and we put our hours into it, but that's because I love it and I wouldn't have it any other way. But... Hopefully, by the end of my career, things are a little bit different in terms of um, full-time capacity. But, um, yeah, no, I'm enjoying it at the moment. I'm absolutely loving it. Daisy, it's Julia again. We we saw a, a great stat during the week um, that Caitlin Ashmore has now won 25 AFLW games, which is more than any of the actual clubs in the comp. <laughs> she cho- She moved from <laughs> Brisbane to North at the exact right time to make that happen. But can you tell us a bit about what her experience brings to the team? Yeah, it's funny. I don't even think she was aware of it, how many wins she's had. Um, she um, she brings a lot. I think um, her knowledge as well, you know, she takes a lot of the young girls um, under her wing as well, which I think helps them. And um, it's funny, Bella Eddie, um, who's one of our 18-year-olds, actually came in and 
that example of she was 14 when the competition came into play and you know we do this thing every week where it's called my story and you basically get up and tell your story and she told her story and admitted to you know Caitlin Ashmore and Emma Carney were her favorite players growing up <laughs> and you know she gets to play alongside both of them and that's a a prime example of the kind of effect that someone like Caitlin Ashmore has had on the you know the younger generations but you know, she's a great player and I think even this year she's really coming into form. I think everyone that's played a wing position probably understands how hard it is on the lateral wing, but she kind of makes it her own and, um, yeah, she's a great teammate, but it just shows with how many wins she's had, it's probably something that everyone can aspire to. Everything you've just said embodies what International Women's Day is all about when we give thanks to women whose shoulders we stand on and the women whose footsteps we walk in. Who's a woman who has been life-changing as a supporter of yours over the journey, Daisy? Uh, Very easy answer for me. Um, My mum. I think, um, you know, a lot of people answer their mum. My mum is probably the most incredible woman I've met in my life. She's been a single mum for her whole life. I grew up with just a mum and I have always been taught that women have a place in the world and I grew up with a brother as well who embodies all those values that mum taught us um, growing up and I've been extremely lucky to, you know, have great world views and, um, you know, I've become quite a passionate person. We talk every single day and um, she's had the greatest impact on my career but also she's not all that interested in football. So <laughs> it's, um, it's good and bad for me. I think, you know, she, um, she loves it. And she, she, you know, if I kicked five goals, she probably still wouldn't know if I had the best game. But no, she's fantastic. She's um, amazing. And, you know, on International Women's Day, they're the kind of women that you think about and reflect on. Yeah, well, she certainly did a lot of things right along the journey because you are her girl. Thank you so much for joining us today, Daisy, and best of luck playing the Bulldogs. It's going to be a heated one. Um, We wish you all the very best for the run home. Thanks for joining us on The Outer Sanctum. Thanks for having me, guys. Loved it. I'm Chelsea Roffey. You're listening to The Outer Sanctum. All right, let's roll up our sleeves, put on our boxing gloves and melee, ladies. It was International Women's Day and as such, um, a lot of institutions, including sport, were responding with what they thought was the right way to celebrate women. And I did notice that one of the uh, sports channels was um, spruiking a pop-up women's channel, which is just going to go for a month. And all I thought was, that's great, but I'm a woman for 12 months of the year. So what am I going to do for the 11 months when you're not covering women's sport? And it drove me a little bit crazy. And then I started to look around and and I saw a lot of these kinds of Band-Aids as celebrations of women. Now, I may be wrong but I feel like in 2017 we were sold the AFLW as a real flagship moment for equality in sport and we are just not there. I'm feeling quite let down, Rana. We're not there at all because we saw this weekend when the footy was playing and I was watching AFLW on my television that there were ads telling me that footy is going to be back soon. I mean, it just it was so frustrating because I'm watching the football on your channel and then you still aren't actually understanding that I'm sitting there watching footy on your channel and you're playing these ads. And that's without burning your bra over the fact that the women's games were kind of sidelined because of men's uh, practice matches. I had a guy ask me, I was yelling out the scores. I was camping on the weekend and I yelled out the scores. Oh, this was the score. And someone said, oh, in the, in the men's practice match. And I was like, I will not be giving score updates for a game that is not for premiership points. The AFLW is still on. Do not 
at me about practice match scores, Chad. Yeah, even in the even in the WA, the women's game was played as the curtain raiser for the men's practice game. Like, what are we doing? I know the messages that it sends. Lucy, there was one that got in your craw this week. It, yes, there was one, and it's from the Melbourne Football Club, whose coterie group thought it was a good idea to host their season launch at the Australian Club a men's only club that was established by English settlers. Now, who thought that would be a good idea in 2021 when you've got a men's and a women's team, when you have players, Indigenous players, you have players of colour in your club, why on earth would you set a season launch function at a club that would not welcome those all the people that are part of your footy club and all the people that are part of your footy world as members? I feel like you can only do that once there is equity within football. Like then you can splinter off if you want and have your, you you know, women's only section and men's like do what you want then. But until we've got pay parity and women feel equal in the game, you can't do stuff like that. And look, I will say it was good to see that Melbourne Football Club stepped in and that venue has changed. What I want to know is that there was a conversation that was had between the football club and that coterie group that made that decision to really understand why that wasn't the most inclusive venue for your function. Again, it seems like a band-aid. Julie, you brought something to my attention that I'd love you to to discuss here. Yeah, well, you know, as we know, it was International Women's Day and, uh, you know, a broadcaster decided that for this week and this week only, we would have an all-female commentary team, all-women commentary team. So there's Abby Holmes, Sam Lane and Joe Watton was doing the play-by-play. Joe is an incredibly talented commentator. Uh, she's been involved in women's football for a long time. She calls the play, I think, in a way where she actually understands the game. She understands the way women play. And I thought, well, this is seamless. It doesn't sound strange. It doesn't sound out of the ordinary. These women know what they're talking about. Why do I only get to hear it once a year? Why do I need to listen to the immovable Montagna Mountain every week? Okay? It's just not it's not that hard. You've got these women ready to go. Give them the opportunity. Again, yes, I'm I'm a I'm a woman for three hundred and sixty five days of the year. And we, not just this one. We don't just pay our memberships for one month when they when when we're serviced as women in the name of International Women's Day celebrations. I also noticed, Julia, on the weekend on Offsiders that there was a women in sport panel, and I love Offsiders. I'm a huge fan, but I was really disappointed that there weren't any women of colour on that panel and nor kind of any acknowledgement that there weren't any women of colour. It's fine if you can't find us, but we are here. (laughs) Um, But, you know, at least acknowledge that there's a lens missing in that conversation. It's really interesting. We posted something on the Outer Sanctum. Uh, I really found it hard to tell people what to celebrate because after the week that we've had when we haven't seen a lot of support for women coming from the highest office in the land, I have found it incredibly challenging um, to send out a message to ask women to do more, to do better, because the truth is there are hurdles and puddles and chicanes along the way that I just didn't think that they would still be there now, to be really honest, Julia. Yeah, and I, I've been reflecting a lot on, you know, it's it's year five and I feel like it's almost the hardest year that AFL Women's has, has even had. I know a lot of that is around COVID and the way that they've had to manage the fixture, but I'm thinking back to, you know, June 2016 when Mike Fitzpatrick got up um, and and launched 
this leak. And he said that, you know, this was going to be a fully fledged competition, whatever that means. He said that the establishment of a National Women's League will provide a platform to inspire girls to reach for the stars. Now, he didn't say reach for the stars for nine weeks of the year. Or only in March. Or only in March. They repeatedly called it a revolution. And I didn't realise at the time that that meant, oh, it's actually a revolving door and we're going to go back to the beginning every time. (laughs) I thought that they actually meant that it was going to be a revolution. And now I'm thinking about those girls that at that time were maybe 12 or 13 and thought that by the time they got into this system that they'd be able to make a living, um, that they would be seen as equal, that they would be respected. Instead, you've got girls coming in to this competition who uh, still have to work their part-time jobs, still get critiqued and criticised that the quality of the game isn't the same as the men's, and it's just a completely different situation. We've talked about it a million times on this podcast. You cannot look at it in the same way, and I feel like it was a lie. Do you feel like the women's um, game and women's clubs were created just out of the mould of the men and that they've just been kind of adjusted to suit women as they could. They weren't really built for women from the ground up. You mean the AFLW teams yeah. within those AFL uh, clubs? I think that, yeah, in year one lots of mistakes were made because I think they just made mini-me versions. Um, they kind of took um, the, the structure of a men's footy department and, and created a smaller version of it. And then lots and lots of lessons have been learned over those first few years that the players are part-time, you're playing after work, uh, you're training and playing after work, um, that girls have lots of other responsibilities. They actually play differently. A woman's body is a different uh, body to a men's body. Some of the things that they tried to implement in those first few years just didn't work. I think lots and lots of lessons have have been learning and to give clubs credit, they've reflected and refined and changed. But I think with COVID, we've we've had some massive steps backwards because a lot of those staff have have left. Um, the departments have been trimmed down again. Um, you've got uh, staff members who are now straddling both men's and women's departments. So I think we've lost a lot of kind of thought knowledge from and I those wonder, departments. I wonder if that's what we're feeling because I'm feeling like the push is harder because the voices were there to change the coterie decision and those voices may not have been there in 2017, Lou. Like Correct. I really do think that we've come a long way and we've seen that, it, you know, this time what we're talking about is clubs and the AFL were actually the ones to go out and say that's not okay, we don't do it like that anymore. But, you know, I feel like we get told to shut our voices and to stop complaining about the little things but all the little things are adding up and they're not changing. No, and I think what we also need to be aware of is what we're talking about here isn't something that's just specific or particular to football clubs or to, you know, sporting organisations. We're actually talking about patriarchy and that we're living in this system. We're all swimming in this big fishbowl where the water is patriarchy and there's a whole lot of changes that need to be made. We're trying to change the water in the fishbowl and it is really hard, but it is only going to happen if we tell the truth about it and if we talk about it and if we have those conversations, because otherwise we will just continue. I agree completely. And I think that we have to remember that football is just as, can be just as toxic and suffocating for men too. Mm. And, you know, my hope is that we keep putting up representations of football that are outside of the mould. And so that we get to the point when we think footy, we think of people like me and we think of people like you, Emma, and we think of 
everybody who loves and enjoys the game and that everybody can own it, not just Dusty or Matthews or whoever. All right, let's have a Bex and a good lie down and, and get back to the whiteboard. One place where intentional structural change has impacted directly into women's sport has been in changes to uniforms. Professor Claire Hanlon from Victoria University recently conducted a study called No Barriers for Girls in Women and Women in Sport. And we welcome Professor Claire Hanlon to the Outer Sanctum. How are you, Claire? I am well and how fabulous to be on the Outer Sanctum uh, with fantastic uh, colleagues from Emma, Lucy, Rana and Julia. Thank you for inviting me. (laughs) Thanks, Claire. Claire. We've been watching this very closely and we've um, devoured the report, but can you give us a little snapshot of who it was you spoke to and what it was you were asking them? We had two studies. One, it originated from a Victorian study, and big thanks and shout-out to the Office for Women in Sport and Recreation for funding it. And we initially surveyed 312 girls who were and were not active in sport just to gain what their thoughts were and what they believed were important regarding sport uniforms. And it was interesting. The demand was so great from parents interstate saying, we want our voice of um, our daughters as well. So we then funded ourselves at uni and went national to see, all right, well, let's see what actually is happening out there and are there any differences between states as well. Fortunately, the findings came back saying there were very similar um, responses from girls and what it showed basically that girls preferred function over fashion, that it really was important for them to feel comfortable before they even left the house or left getting changed in the car to go out and play sport. They wanted to feel comfortable and confident within themselves as to what they were wearing. And this varied, of course, Uh, between different groups of girls. But the main thing, as I said, was function over fashion. And we talk about material and they were very conscious about breathable material that hides sweat, dark-coloured bottoms. Those aspects are so important. Hey, Claire, it's Rana. Um, Of course, you know I would ask this question of you. Um, Were you able to interview or research different cultural communities and were the findings any different? What we found were that girls from culturally diverse backgrounds, uh, girls who are non-active and girls who identified as LGBTIQ+, they wanted a range of sport uniform options, more so than other girls. And that being, for example, they wanted to choose between longer um, outfits that might be tops or bottoms, Um, they wanted to have a choice as to what they were wearing in order for them to feel comfortable. The findings specifically for girls from culturally diverse backgrounds, the um, number was small, so we couldn't gain any statistical significant differences, Rana, but again, it's saying a strong story in relation to not one size fits all, and we need to have choice. It was interesting. The Western Australia uh, guidelines for um, sport clubs for culturally diverse, looking at cultural diversity, they um, the government created a range of guidelines, and that uh, I think should be incorporated across all state territories because that supports this study in the context of choice, but also having a range of uniforms that girls can wear that they feel comfortable in. 
Hi, Claire. It's Lucy here. You just mentioned some guidelines there. And I was just wondering, are you able to give us a bit of a snapshot for people who are, say, working in sporting organisations or for people from schools who are listening? What are the key recommendations that you would want them to go away from this research with? Three things. First of all, uh, give girls a choice of uniform. Uh, Ensure that there's uh, no unisex styles. Uh, Girls want uniforms that are designed for girls. And also look at function over fashion in the context where having, for example, shorts that are two layers, it might be the inner layer is tighter and the outer layer is looser. Shorts, 90% of girls wanted shorts. And um, the majority of girls didn't want skirts. So there's a couple of things in that context. But, Lucy, I think the best thing is for schools and sport clubs to download the infographic or the guide that's on the Change Our Game website or the Victoria University website. There it is. There's your evidence. Print it out or forward it on to your principal or your, your club committee and say, this is why we need to change. Uh, hi, Claire. It's Julia here. We talk a lot about you can't be what you can't see and the importance of role models and um, that how girls really look up to different sorts of women to, to try and find their place in the world. So what do the clothing choices of role models like Nomi Osaka and Serena Williams mean for girls? Great point. In the context of girls looking up to role models, they also check out what they're wearing. Naomi Osaka, if you saw what she wore, it was a skirt, but it was leggings underneath for the Australian Open. That shows the choice that players could wear. Then you may have another sport that may not be as flexible in what they're wearing. And again, girls look up to that. And is that really, does that help encourage them to move forward and for them to feel comfortable within themselves? I know there was a a great quote that uh, Katie Brennan made on um, ABC when it was televised about the sport uniform study. And Katie reflected on it and said that AFL women wear white shorts for away uniforms. And uh, this is an opportunity to start and have powerful conversations about do we really need to wear white shorts at away games? And I think that's, again, something that we need to look at to a greater capacity. Let's change policy and practice. Why are we having these things where we know, anecdotally, we've known this for ages, But if this is what makes girls feel uncomfortable, let's change it so they feel comfortable and enjoy playing sport. There's a saying that you shouldn't wear white pants after Labor Day. It comes from the USA, but let's say you shouldn't have to wear white shorts after 2021, Claire. I I would love that to happen. And if the Outer Sanctum can further promote and change that, I will be in awe of you. Well, there's there's no one in this studio who's wanting to put the white shorts on. I can guarantee that. There was one question that Rana raised. We were just talking about it off air, about when people are asked to wear uh, skin-coloured skins, that the skin colour is only, only fits one colour of skin and how inappropriate that is. So we also need to advocate for skins that actually fit everybody's skin tone. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. It was interesting because with the survey, there are also open-ended questions and the amount of girls that wrote uh, responses in there saying, please stop making us wear white shorts. Please make can we wear what we feel comfortable in and talk to us. And so it's the voice of girls. Rather than anticipating what girls may want, it's asking them. 
Well, you're amplifying this conversation and we will continue to have it. Thank you so much for doing the research and for speaking with us today on the Outer Sanctum, Claire. An absolute pleasure and keep up the great work. I'm Lauren Rosali and you're listening to the Outer Sanctum. This week we're heading to Adelaide for Thank You For Being A Friend. We deliver unto you Anne Hatchard and her very dear friend, Sarah Allen. Thank you for being a friend. All right, so it's Anne Hatchard here from The Crows and I'm joined with one of my best mates, who is... Sarah Allen. Hi, Anne. Hello. And at The Crows I play midfield position and what position do you play? And I'm full back at the Crows, so yeah, we get to play alongside each other um, and we've been doing it for five years, which is pretty cool. It's pretty awesome. I actually used to play in the back lines with you, but unfortunately you got moved out, so yeah. You got to leave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, I've got a few questions for you, so I'll start off with this one. Uh, when you first met me, what was your first impression? Mm, you'd hope it was a good one because we're still friends after all this time, um, six or so years later. We obviously met through basketball um, and we both were just click straight away, like we're very similar. And yeah, I think that bond has sort of just kept going and um, I think we just sort of get each other and yeah, it was a good first impression. Yeah, funny that. Um, what actually happened when I met you at that basketball so you were just playing basketball at the time and I mentioned that I played footy and you actually said that you'd tried footy a bit but you were thinking about going back. So got in touch with some people and told you to get out and have a kick and look what's happened. <laughs> yeah, so pretty much you got me involved in the state program and then got drafted from there. So yeah. uh, you can claim me for, for everything I've done in footy. Yeah, no worries, <laughs> no worries for that. <laughs> All right, I've got a question for you. Um, it's gone a bit deep to start off with. Oh, but here why we go. Not? Who am I on and off the field? On the field, oh, you are an absolute beast. You're a boss <laughs> in the back lines. Just anywhere the ball is coming in, you just over getting those intercept marks. You just read the ball so well on the field and you've got silky skills. Off the field, look, you're my friend, so you must be right. So yeah. <laughs> uh, you're, you're pretty funny. Love your sense of humour, sarcastic. Not everyone can get it, but no, I think it's... Pretty funny. You're so caring, so kind. Um, you're always there for me, even when I don't listen to your advice. So, <laughs> nah, always been there for me, which is great. Thanks for laughing at my jokes. That's probably why nah. we've stayed friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my next question, with us being close friends since season one of AFLW, what has been the biggest changes for us from then to now on and off the field? The biggest change is that we don't spend most of the game on the bench um, from yeah. season one. <laughs> um, no, nah, but um, seriously, I think for both of us, I think the biggest change is mentally and getting our ourselves out there and getting the confidence in our ability and really just trusting ourselves. Um, obviously for you, you've had that remarkable transformation, which everyone's noticed, and I think it's just you're like a role model for everyone else in the team. And I think I finally picked up on that sort of stuff and I'm slowly getting there with um, everything. But, yeah, I think... Running beast. It's, <laughs> it's just crazy. I think, like, we're only 23. Yeah. So, um, it's yeah, it's scary what could happen in the future. Yeah. On the up from here. <laughs> you can only go up. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Um, start from the bottom. <laughs> um, now we're here. <laughs> all right, so my next question for you. Um, after footy... What would be the perfect job for me considering my personality? 
Oh, that's a good one. I think that you can be an absolute stresshead sometimes, so I think that <laughs> you'd need a job that's not too stressful. Um, I think with um, oh, with your knowledge in footy, I reckon you'd be a pretty good footy coach, but that can get pretty stressful at times. So maybe like a, a development coach. You're very good with teaching. Like we've worked together. You've we've done clinics, but like the way you deliver, how to how these kids should be kicking or whatever, just remarkable. But if it was a job nothing to do with footy, maybe like a dermatologist. I reckon you're pretty <laughs> pretty up with all that stuff. Yeah, know my skin well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sensitive skin life. No, that's good. I like that. You know me well. I think you know my personality yeah. well, so that's good. But I agree, yeah, I need to find a job that's not too stressful or I'm yeah. not sure I'll last. Yeah. You'll last two days and be out. <laughs> All right, next one. Sticking the footy, what's your best footy memory of us? Jesus, so many. That's a good question, though. <laughs> I think we'll both agree that the... 2019 grand final just in general is probably our best footy memory together I, I remember a moment and we actually got to capture it um, in a photo and just celebrating in the change rooms after the game with all our family I, don't, I just feel like we just soaked it all in I don't know it was just such an amazing day and I still get goosebumps talking about it and I think for both of us um, we felt like we had an impact on that grand final more than the first one Oh, for sure. Um, and I think that's what footy's all about. And, yeah, so I just love that moment of us. Yeah, that was an unreal yeah. experience, especially playing in front of over 50,000 people. Um, I think the both of us would have never thought that would ever happen, going from just playing some local footy where you get, you know, just your fam watching to, to that, which is just incredible. I remember looking up at the screen and the seeing the attendance and I feel like time just stood still a bit. Yeah. Like I just couldn't believe it. But I, I, like, am I luckily dreaming? we were up by so much. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so yeah. I got a moment to look up. But yeah. yeah, crazy. All right. My next question for you. On the field, if you were going to coach me, what would be your first bit of advice? Be nice. Oh, okay. I'll be nice. I don't want to, you know, take away your confidence. <laughs> I think you just can't overthink it because yeah. your your game is just awesome. You just got to do what you do out there. Um, but something I would say personally is I would love you to play higher up the ground. You're solid back in defence, but, man, I would want you to come into midfield with me. So if I was coach, that's what I'd be doing. I'd put, be putting you right next to me. I hope you're going to be the playing coach soon and yeah. I, get, I, I get a chance <laughs> in the midfield. But, yeah. um, no, I like that. Obviously, I've loved playing defence because I've been able to cement a spot in the team um, each week. But, yeah, I'd love later on in my career if I got a bit of a chance to go up the field because it's, it's a bit more fun and less stressful, I guess. <laughs> I'll give you a tip for that. Um, I reckon you're just going to have a really bad bad season in defence and they, yeah. they might think about moving you. So that's pretty much how I did it. And suddenly okay. I was out of defence. So yeah. no. <laughs> Played too well. <laughs> um. All right, my last question for you. That's a good one. So you say you picked number 39 because of your dad, but was it actually because you wanted to be next to me? <laughs> you got me there. You got me there. <laughs> what can I say? It was all a plan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, good question. Um, obviously, it's a special number to my family, but um, I think it worked out quite well how we ended up next to each other every year so far. So, yeah, look, it's not the number I usually would choose. 
a higher number, but yeah, it's worked out well, so I can't complain. Yeah, it worked out. You're next to me, and as long yeah. as no one goes between 33 and 39, we'll be all good. So. We might just have to block those numbers out, I think. Yeah, I reckon, <laughs> yeah, we'll be like that. They're not available. <laughs> or else I'm going to have to change the 38. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, last question for you. What do you admire most about my game? I wish that I had the skills on the field that you have. If I had could kick like you, oh, my God, I would be kicking it all day, every day, <laughs> instead of all my handballs. And you're, so when the ball's just going back, your ability to win a one-on-one contest, you just read it so well and your intercepts are just crazy. And it's great because then you can look up and hopefully kick it kick it to me when I'm leading that, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, that's a bit of a confidence boost. I feel like I'm ready to play now. <laughs> yeah, get us on the field. Thank you for being with us on the Outer Sanctum. It is almost time for us to get out of here. We've burnt all our bras. We have nothing to wear. (laughs) Uh, We've got a bit of final business. Lucille? I just wanted to mention a sports doco. You know, we all love a sports doco. And there's one coming up. It starts on the 12th of March. It will be on Amazon. And it is about last year's AFL men's season. It's a seven-episode series. It's called Making Their Mark. And you know we'll be talking about it. Oh, I bet. I love a bit of behind the scenes. Yes, Rana? Uh, You mentioned Chelsea Roffey at the top of the episode. And I wanted to just shout out the fact that... uh, she did the Making the Call program and hence ended up on tally boundary <laughs> writing. If you're in Victoria and you identify as a woman, you can apply for this amazing course. Uh, expressions of interest are now open and they close on Friday the 19th of March. You can get all the information at the Change Our Game website. That's a lovely little spruik from, um, <laughs> from you, Rana. Thank you. <laughs> We're very proud of making the call. We're very proud of you. You've really gone on to bigger and better things oh, thanks, since sitting through that um, the first one. Um, and I want to give a shout out. We've been talking about uh, the the changes that can happen, the small incremental changes that can happen when we use our voices and we talk about things for a long time and, and shine a spotlight on them. And our friend Angela Pippos has been doing that in rec- in trying to get um, women cricket players recognised in this country. And she's been doing it since Breaking the Mould and then she made a documentary and now she's actually really moved the needle on something. And there is a nine-member recognition of women in cricket working group that has been put together and there will be a statue of a female cricketer at some point and it's all because of the tireless work of women who have been shining a light on this issue and we just wanted to say we salute you all and we are so pleased to see this advance being made. It is time for us to get out of here. We wish you all the very best for the week coming up. There are some amazing footy games that are really going to call the the um the still in contention and the not so still in contention and do set a reminder that there is going to be a Monday game. If you're in WA, it happens at two o'clock. So you'll just be back from your lunch break. And if you're in Victoria, it happens at um, 10 past five. So make sure you set a reminder to watch the Cats versus the West Coast Eagles. It is a late change to the fixture. There's nothing else to say but one thing and that is... Go Go footy! footy. (laughs) 